This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I think I was born just a little bit too early for my own good. Well, let me explain. I've always been involved in acting in one form or another, whether it was appearing in the annual school review at my old high school in London, Ontario, 8th Reveal Tech, or performing in several productions at the then London Little Theatre and now the Grand Theatre. I've even had a few movies under my belt, minor roles to be sure, but I've had the chance to rub shoulders with a few of the luminaries of show business like Denzel Washington, Norman Jewison, even traded a few lines with Nathan Lane in a Simon, uh, Neil Simon production, Laughter on the 26th Floor, that was shot right here in Toronto. But the one thing I missed out on was the possibility of being involved with those great shows of yesteryear on radio. You know, where the actors came out with scripts in their hand and all dressed up for the evening, played to a live audience. It, it must have been just wonderful to be that good, and despite some flubs, which you might hear in the first show I'm presenting tonight, to carry on as if nothing had happened, or to make it part of the show. Well, in any case, keep your ears trained for any little misadventures from that script as we present Jack Benny milking the audience in the episode, Jack Gets a Haircut. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, we take you back 15 minutes. Jack Benny is in his dressing room where Rochester is trimming his hair. Just a little more off the side, Rochester. Yes, sir. You know, Rochester, it may sound funny, but when I was a kid, I had the most beautiful head of thick golden curls. You did? Yeah. In fact, my mother was so proud of them, she gave a curl to every one of our relatives. Well, you better write to them, boss. It's time to get them back. <laughs> Yeah. Hold on, Rochester. How much have you trimmed off the sides? Almost a handful. Good. Now sprinkle it around on top. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what are you laughing at? This ain't no haircut. It's a landscaping job. <laughs> that was a little trick I learned in agricultural school. Good old Bandini Tech. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Shaving you now. Roger, I thought you said you forgot my shaving cream. I did, but this stuff will work fine. Well, I don't know. Are you sure it's good for shaving? Yeah, it says so on the box. Does, does everything. <laughs> I guess so. 
But I wish my face could have that Oxidol sparkle, you know? <laughs> now, hold still, boss, while I lather you up. Maybe you better open your shirt first. Okay. There you are. Say, boss, why do you wear that penny around your neck on a string? It's for uh, sentimental reasons, Rochester. This is the first penny I ever owned. You know that dollar I have framed up in my bedroom? Uh-huh. That's the first dollar I ever owned. You know that picture of my Maxwell that hangs in the den? Uh-huh. That's the first car I ever owned. That's the first car anybody ever owned. <laughs> what? That car scared more horses than the meat shortage. <laughs> no, I don't know. Now, hurry up and shave me, Rochester. Okay. Hold still while I lather you up. Rochester, you have to use that much. Hold still, boss. There, that ought to be enough lather. Now, where's the... Come in. Hiya, Roch. I was just passing by and I... Hey, that looks wonderful. Phil, stop trying to blow the foam off. It's me. <laughs> Get your foot off my knee. It's not a brass rail. <laughs> what a guy. Okay, I'm sorry, Jackson. What do you want, Phil? Well, I'd like to ask you what number I should play on the program today. I've been rehearsing two of them all week. What are they? Well, one of them, Stardust. What's the other one? That's what I like about the South. <laughs> you better play the first one, Phil. I don't think the public is ready for the second one. <laughs> Go ahead, Rochester. Start shaving me. Yes, sir. Oh, say, Jackson, I want you and the rest of the gang to come over to the house tonight. Give him a little, uh, surprise party for Alice. Surprise party? What's it for? Well, I think it's her birthday. Think? Yeah, it's either today, March 12th, or June 29th. <laughs> Phil, for heaven's sake, you mean to tell me you don't know when Alice was born? Look, Jackson, I'm her husband, not her mother. <laughs> all right, Phil, I'll be glad to come. Shall I have dinner first? Well, of course not. I got everything all set. I prepared it myself. Now, what are you having? Well, there'll be martinis, Manhattans, old fashions, bourbon highballs, scotch... Bell, bell. I mean, what kind of food are you serving? What? Food, food. Well, how do you like that? I knew I forgot something. <laughs> well, how in the world... Ouch! Rochester, you cut me. It's about time you felt it. I did it a minute ago. <laughs> well, why didn't you tell me? I thought you were dead. <laughs> Don't be funny. Did you cut me bad? It's nothing, boss. I just stepped the stem off your Adam's apple. Clumsy thing. Now I have to buy a collar button. Well, <laughs> Bill, about the party, I'll be at your house at 8 o'clock. That'll give me enough time to buy a gift for Alice. I think I'll get her some candy. You gave her candy last year and she never got to eat any of it. She didn't? Nah, she was carrying it upstairs and the bag broke. <laughs> Gee, that's a shame. And those jawbreakers roll so. <laughs> I'll have them put in a double bag this time. Uh-oh. What's the matter, Rochester? Did I cut you again? Can't you tell? Well, it would help if you'd bleed a little. <laughs> well, I'm not going to force myself just for you. <laughs> Say, Phil... Uh, what are you giving Alice for her birthday? Hey, Jackson, I got it right here in this little box. Let me show it to you. There. Ain't that a pretty? Oh, Phil. What a beautiful gold locket. She'll love that. Well, open it up, Jackson. There's a picture inside. 
No, I'd rather not, Phil. Alice should be the first one to see it. Well, we don't mind, Jackson. You're like one of the family. Go ahead. Open up the locket. Well, all right. Oh, now, isn't that sweet? A picture of Petrillo. (laughs) How thoughtful. Yeah. That's very nice. Phil, you can raise your head. I closed the locket. <laughs> Here. <laughs> Look, Jackson, I better get out on the stage and get my musicians ready for the broadcast. I'll be seeing you, huh? Yeah. Well, I guess I better get in the studio, too. Rochester, wait for me here in the dressing room. Yes, sir. And you can tune in the radio and listen to my program if you wish. If I wish? Yes. Once I didn't listen to it and you put me in solitary confinement. <laughs> Now, Rochester, you know I didn't compel you to stay in that room. No, but you took away all my clothes, told me I was free as a bird, and pointed to Capistrano. <laughs> what? I was shot down over Bismo Beach. <laughs> Stop being silly. I'll see you after the broadcast. Okay. Gee, that Rochester makes up the wildest things. But they're kind of funny. I wonder if he'd be good on the radio. Nah, he'd always be late for rehearsal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we have a good show today. Oh, Mr. Benny, excuse me. Well, well, hello, Mr. Kitzel. Pardon the intrusion, but last week you promised me a ticket for your broadcast. Oh, yes, yes, I have one right here in my pocket. There you are. Thank you. You, uh... <laughs> You must, uh, you must like my program, eh, Mr. Kitzel? Ooh, it's one of my favorites. I like your program, Fever Magoo and McGee. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Huh? A date with Julia. Julia? <laughs> and on Friday night, I'm listening to People Are Schnooks. <laughs> no. no, 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 you mean people are funny. Mm. With this ticket, I'll soon find out. Oh, yes, yes. Well, you better hurry in. I'll save you a seat in the first row. Laugh as hard as you can, will you? My heart is broken, and it tells me I should laugh. Your heart is broken? Why? Because yesterday, my alma mater didn't win the football game. Your alma mater? Notre Dame. Oh, did you go to Notre Dame? <laughs> do, you, do you remember the four horsemen? Yes. I was the stable boy. Uh, well, you better hurry, Mr. Kitzel. It's time for the show. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, Jackson, we're all set. Okay, Phil, let's go.
South America, Take It Away, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And that strange click-clack in the back was his boy shooting dice. <laughs> and now, ladies... <laughs> Thanks, Mary. I thought I was pretty clever myself. <laughs> that strange click-clack in the back was... I wasn't it? laughing at that. What? I was reading a letter from Mama. Oh, oh, a letter from your mother, eh? Well, what does the Hildegard of Plainfield have to say? <laughs> I know, I know. After her last letter, she had to join the Radio Writers Guild. <laughs> Go ahead, let's hear it, Mary. Okay. <clears throat> My darling daughter, Mary, I received your last note and was very glad to hear from you. As you know, last Tuesday was election day, so your father got up early, went to the polls, and voted for Hoover. <laughs> what? He feels he owes it to him because since 1928, Hoover has been the top button on his underwear. <laughs> That's what I like about your father. He's so loyal. Go on, Mary. Your sister, Babe, has become a career woman and now has a very novel job. She's a lifeguard at one of those new fountain pen companies. A lifeguard at a pen company? If anyone writes help underwater, she dives in and saves the pen. What a girl. Babe also received a lot of money from a picture studio in Hollywood. She sent a photograph of herself in her bathing suit and they sent her a check for $5,000. Your sister, Babe? They said her legs gave them the idea for the spiral staircase. <laughs> I knew she could do it. Uh, Say, Mary, Mary, does Babe, does Babe still go with that slap-happy prize fighter? No, she couldn't stand it any longer. Why? What happened? Well, they'd be sitting in the living room, and every time the phone rang, he'd jump up, shake hands, and give her a right hook to the jaw. <laughs> oh, well, then I don't blame her. Well, Babe didn't mind getting hit, but she had to keep him training all the time. (laughs) Well, go on with the letter, Mary. Okay. Last Saturday night, Pop and I went to a big formal affair. Aunt Edie's silver wedding. Gee, has your Aunt Edie been married 25 years? No, 25 times. Oh. (laughs) Now, don't interrupt anymore, Jack. Okay, okay. (laughs) And Mary, speaking of Aunt Edie, do you remember little Harold, who was the ring bearer at Aunt Edie's first wedding? Well, that's the one she's married to now. Well, what do you know? Outside of that, Pop and I haven't done much. Although, last week, we went to the movies and saw Merle Oberon in a wonderful picture. Gosh, she's beautiful. Your father took one look at her, then looked at me, and when we got home, I realized what Babe went through with that prize (laughs) card. Gee... Fortunately, my girdle broke and I wedged him into a neutral corner. Hmm. Some more, is there? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Your mother's a riot. Go ahead. By the way, Mary, I certainly envy you being out there in California. It was so cold here yesterday that Papa's teeth chattered all night. They made so much noise, he took them out of the glass and put them back in his mouth. Mother's a car. What a family. That's all for now. We'll write again next week. Your loving mother, Amber Livington. Hey, that's, that's a nice letter, Mary. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a P.S. I suppose Jack will start writing to us again now that airmail is down to five cents. <laughs> 
What does she mean, five cents? I can get Rochester to fly it there for nothing. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't see anything funny about that. Neither do I, Jackson. You don't? No. Hmm. Rochester and his crazy jokes. <laughs> now, kid. Come in. Hello, everybody. What's cooking? Oh, hello, Dennis. Dennis, you're a little bit late. Where were you? Well, I'd have been here earlier, Jackson, but I stopped across the bar on a bar. You gotta live, bub. You gotta live. Stopped across a bar in a bar? That sounds like chiswee sandwich, you know? <laughs> oh, boy, am I dizzy. <laughs> Dennis. Dennis, you mean to say they served you a drink? No, they said I was too young, so they just spun me around on the stool. <laughs> oh. Hey, Livy, how about you and me painting the town? Dennis. What's eating you, bub? You want to fight? A fight? Hey, Phil, how about an Alka-Seltzer? You don't need one. Dennis, what's the matter with you? All they did was spin you around on a stool. Yeah, but they held my head in one place. <laughs> you... You mean they... I don't know whether I'm coming or Dennis. Believe me, you're Dennis and cut out all this nonsense. Okay. He hates me because I'm head loose and fancy free. Dennis, nobody hates you. Now, come on, let's have your song. Okay. That kid can find... Phil, where are you going? I'll be back in a minute, Jackson. Hey, Dennis, what stool were you on? Hey, I'm back here! <laughs> Dennis is gonna sing. Now, go ahead, Phil. Somewhere in the night There must be someone for me Somewhere in the night Who knows where somewhere may be Across the way Or maybe way beyond a distant star Out with a time, my lonely heart keeps saying to me, No, this doesn't seem right. There must be someone somewhere in the night. Somewhere. I find her here by my side Then when I awake My dream drifts off with a time My lonely heart keeps saying to me No, this doesn't seem right Someone, 
was Somewhere in the Night, sung by Dennis Day. And Dennis, you sang that beautifully. I wouldn't know. I'm loaded. <laughs> You're not loaded. And I don't want to hear any more talk like that. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Now, sit down. Yes, sir. Hmm. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, we're going to do a sketch entitled The Strange Loves of Martha Benny. Whisper is age. Mary. <laughs> now, in this play... Wait a minute, Jackson. Last week, you announced that we were going to do the killers. Well, we were, but I'm going to postpone it until two weeks from tonight. Why'd you do that, Jack? Because Mark Hellinger, the producer of the picture, asked us to wait two weeks before we louse it up. <laughs> and by that time, the picture will have played in more cities. Well, what's this thing you're going to do tonight? Well, actually, Mary, it's going to be a story based on my career as an entertainer. It opens with the actual incident of my first appearance on the stage in Washington, D.C. I'll never forget that night. See, my performance was so great that right in the middle of my act, one of my fans got so excited, he jumped right out of the stage. That was John Wilkes Booth. He was making his getaway. <laughs> she's sweet. She's sweet. <laughs> now, in this play, oh, ladies and gentlemen... What? Jack. Uh, before we do the sketch, uh, what about the commercial? The commercial? Oh, yes, yes. Go ahead, Don. Okay. Ready, fellas? <laughs> Not with them, Don. The quartet is out. But, Jack, you've got them signed for three more weeks. I don't care if they're signed for three years. And another thing, they've got an option coming up, and I'm dropping it. Okay, if that's the way you want it. Well, you fellas can take that offer you got from the Hollywood Bowl. It's all right with me, just so they... Hollywood Bowl? <laughs> they... Had an offer from the bowl? Yes, I hate to bring this up, Jack, but they were offered so much money that they... Oh, yeah? Well, I've got them under contract. <laughs> they can't break it, I know, because I've already tried. Well, all right, then. Will you listen to the commercial we've prepared? Well, all right. What's it going to be? Our musical background will be till the end of time. Oh, oh, well, that might be good. Go ahead. Ready, boys. L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T... Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Don, Don. That isn't it. That isn't what I want. Wait a minute, fellas. Wait a minute, fellas. Don, just a minute, fellas. Wait. Don. Don. Don, look at me. Don, Donzy boy. Look at me. Don. Now, look, Don. Don, I'm being nice. Look. Look, Don, I'm smiling. Don. Don, can't you see that that isn't in keeping with the rest of the program? It's too slow, Donzy Poo. I mean, that... <laughs> Don, it has no pep. Well, Jack, if you want something lively, just listen to this. What? The William Tell Overture. Hit it, boys. Wait a minute. 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 Wait a min
All right, fellas, get out. Get out. Out, out. You guys are driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm going mad. Oh, Jack, Jack, stop pulling your hair. I'm only taking the ones that were sprinkled out. <laughs> now, come on, fellas. Get out. Get out. And it's for you, Don Wilson. You got me into this, and you better get me out. Jack, don't get so excited. Well, I am excited. I'm so mad I'm not even going to do the sketch tonight. But Jackson, you got to finish the show. Let Don finish it. He's so smart. He knows everything. I'm getting out of here. Hello, Mr. Benny. May I have your autograph? Oh, shut up! <laughs> What do you have, mister? How much is a scotch and soda? <laughs> 75 cents. Hmm. How much is a bourbon and Coke? 60 cents. Well. Come on, buddy. Come on. What do you have? Just spin me around a couple of times. <laughs> okay, buddy. Here you go. Bartender, one more spin and I'll go home. Okay. Whee! Once more. Excuse me a minute. Now, will you gentlemen have the same as usual? <laughs> well, look who's here, my old buddies, my pals. You know what, fellas? I've been mean to you. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make it up to you. I'm gonna pick up your option and give you more money. Hey, bartender. What? Give these fellas a spin on me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, saving bonds are vitally important in the nation's battle against price inflation and for the future and welfare of us all. It is important that we, who have developed habits of thrift during the war, continue to build financial security for ourselves and our children. Protect your future by extra bonds now. Thank you. gentlemen, we'll be back with you next Sunday at this time when our guests will be Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman and Leo DeRosha. Good night, everybody.
Stay tuned for Mr. District Attorney next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time for Mr. District Attorney. The show was created, written, and directed by former law student Ed Byron, in a series inspired by the early years of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey. It was Dewey's public war against racketeering which led to his election as governor. And Philip H. Lord, creator of Gangbusters, helped to develop the concept and coined the title. Byron led an air of currency and immediacy to his script through close study of crime stats and a library of criminology texts, following the newspapers and even going around rough bars to gain tips, background, and color from crooks and police alike. In tonight's episode, in 1952, David Bryan has the lead role. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as District Attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. David Bryan as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. One crime often breeds another, frequently a far deadlier offense. A simple burglary may end in murder. As in the case you're about to hear. That the guy? Yes, that's the dear, dear doctor. Psychiatrist, huh? Looks more like a jockey. Let's go. All right, where are they? Right here in my desk. But he made me give him the key to the drawer. I'll give it open. Why'd he fire you anyway? I had the recorder hidden under the patient's couch. He happened to hear it this morning. Boom, that was it. How'd you keep him from yelling for the cops? I put on an act, bawled my eyes out, swore I'd just put it there for the first time. Can't you get it open? I got it. Fuck, James. Where? Lucky I forgot something and came back. More tapes. I can see I was wrong when I didn't call the police this morning. I'll rectify that mistake right now. Give me that phone. Oh, 
You knocked him through the window. Grab up those tapes and let's get out of here. goes the body, Chief. Nine stories. That's a long way to fall, Harrigan. Sure is. Has the family been notified? Yeah, Pat, we took care of it. Wife and three kids. Have you noticed his desk drawer? Hmm. Yeah, pried open. Oh, I found this on the floor beneath it. Yeah. Label from a can of recording tape. I wouldn't want to call it suicide, would you? Oh, not with this setup. Anyone else around? Mm-hmm. The janitor. He couldn't come up with a thing. Gave me the name of the office nurse, Pauline Colton. But he didn't know her address. Why don't you see if there's an address book on the doctor's desk? Yeah, that's a good idea. The lab boys get any prints off this drawer? Yeah, I just picked up something. Oh, yeah. Here's the doctor's book. Now, let's see, uh, Colton. Ah, here it is. Pauline Colton. 1436 Carrington Street, Apartment 12. Evergreen, 34221. Shall I call her? Uh, no, why not ride out and see her? Let's go. Now, listen, chick, you got some real juicy stuff on these tapes. But I'm going to argue with you about something. Your idea of what you're going to do with it just uh, just don't make sense. What do I have to do, draw pictures? This Charles Francis Palmer is going to give me $500 for the recording of what her husband said during his psychoanalysis. I told you that. Okay, okay. She figures it'll help her get a divorce from the guy. But this thing's worth a lot more than 500 bucks. We got to make it pay off, chick. We got to make it pay off big. How? We ain't gonna let Mrs. Charles Francis Palmer hear this tape. We're gonna let her husband listen to it. Or another recording of it. I won't do it, Bob. Blackmail's too risky. What are you talking about? We knocked the dock out the window, didn't we? That's homicide. Don't say that, Bob. It was an accident. Try to tell the cops it was an accident. Well, they don't know we had anything to do with it. I don't care. We're going to get a lot more than 500 bucks out of this, and we're going to do it my way. No, boss, this is my deal. We're doing it my way. Hey, what do you think you're doing? I'm going to burn these other tapes. Hey, give me those. Oh, oh, let go of you. Well, that'll teach you not to argue with me, chick. I'm a guy that likes his own way. I'm taking them with me. When you get some sense in your head, call me. You know the number. Fourteen thirty-six. Yeah, here it is, Chief. Oh. on the first floor. Yes. Mm. 
unlocked. Looks like we'll have to press the buzzer. I'll get it. Oh, she's home. Yeah, you never know. Who is it? Uh, we're police officers, Miss Colton. We have to talk to you. There we are. Miss Colton? Yes, I'm Miss Colton, but I don't understand this. You work for Dr. Leland Jameson? Yes. Dr. Jameson was killed in his office this evening. We were pretty sure he was pushed through the window. We thought you might be able to help us on a few things. Pushed through a window? That's right. We were pretty sure it was murder. Well, but we, we'd better not talk out here. Will you come in? Well, thank you. Well, incidentally, I'm Paul Garrett, District Attorney. This is Mr. Harrington, my assistant. Gosh, I... I don't know what to say. Dr. Jameson dead. I... I'm numb. Are you hurt, Miss Colton? You've got blood on your face. That's a bad bruise. Oh, no, no. I, it's really nothing. I I fell against the chair just now. Oh, in here? Yes, as I was running for the buzzer. No, I'm very sorry. Well, don't worry about it. I'll be all right. Uh, Miss Colton, do you mind if we look through your apartment? Why would you want to do that? Well, I must tell you, we can't do this without your permission. That is, not without a warrant. And you don't have a warrant? Not at the moment. You don't need one. I don't know what you expect to find, but go ahead and look. Harrington? Okay, Chief. I just don't get this. You were Dr. Jameson's nurse, weren't you, Miss Colton? Oh, that's right. Nurse and receptionist. Well, how long have you worked for him? Well, let's see. About four months. Dr. Jameson was a psychiatrist. Yes. I imagine he did quite a lot of psychoanalysis. Oh, yes, he was in private practice. Uh, was it his custom to use a tape recorder during these sessions with his patients? Oh, no. But he did use a tape recorder. Well, yes, but only for dictating letters and notes that he wanted typed out. These letters and notes that Dr. Jameson dictated on the recorder, was it your job to type them up? Yes, it was. And where did you keep the tapes? In my desk. Locked up? Yes. Did you keep the key to the drawer? I usually left it on the desk in case Dr. Jameson wanted to refer to anything. Well, there's nothing here, Chief. Okay, Hyde. Miss Colton, I appreciate your cooperation. Well, that's perfectly all right. I've got nothing to hide. Well, we might want to talk to you again. Anytime. I, uh, I tried not to disturb anything, Miss. Oh, well, that's all right. Good night, Miss Colton. Good night. Real nice and ladylike, Chief. And she acted as if she wanted to help us. But there's there's one thing that bothers me. She said she cut her face by falling against a chair. And the only chairs she had in the room were all overstuffed. Right. So she was telling a lie. Why? Well, we'll put a tail on her. And tomorrow morning, I'd like you to call on several other psychiatrists in that building. Find out if they use tape recorders and psychoanalysis. I'll get on it first thing. Oh, it's you. Well, I haven't had dinner yet. I thought you might like to take me out to eat. 
I thought we weren't getting along. We weren't, until the district attorney came to see me a little while ago. D.A., huh? Did he get anything out of you? Not a thing. But he had a man with him who searched the place. I'd have had a bad time if they'd have found those tapes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you would. Looks like I saved you from something, don't it, Chick? You saved me from plenty, Bolt. Hmm. From now on, I'm with you. I think you're going to be good luck for me. Well, that's the way to talk. How about dinner? Sure. Sure, we'll go any way you say. First, I want to make a phone call. Huh? Who are you going to call, Bo? The well-known president of our Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Charles Francis Palmer. I'm going to set up a date with him for tomorrow. Keep gone lunch yet? Oh, no. He's still in his office, Harrington. Well, good. Well, I talked to three psychiatrists, Chief. What do they have to say? They don't use recorders for psychoanalysis. Patients wouldn't like it. So, the girl told the truth about that. All right. She moved out of her apartment last evening and left no forwarding address. Hey, that makes it tougher. Did anything come out of those fingerprints? Yeah, nothing. They're all blurred up. Hmm. Which means we don't have a single lead on this case. I've got to find one, Harrington. Dr. Jameson had some of the most prominent people in town as patients. I've got a hunch the thing is going to develop into an extortion setup. Unless we can stop it, this town is going to have its own reign of terror. Starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. A psychiatrist had been murdered in his office, knocked through a window to the street nine floors below. Tapes from a recording machine had been taken from the office, and we felt sure they were going to be used for blackmail. And the crooks proved us right in a hurry. They went to work without losing a bit of time. Accomplished what I had to do. And started toward my next appointment. This, of course, made it necessary to take extra precaution. Well, Mr. Palmer? I never agreed to let anything like this be recorded. How did you get this tape? What difference does it make? We got it and we got copies of it. I suppose you expect me to pay you something to keep this quiet. You're lucky, Mr. Palmer. Your wife wants that tape. She wants to use it to get a divorce. This is fiendish. With that for evidence, she'd make a real monkey out of you in court. When her lawyers got through, you wouldn't have enough left to pay the tax on a movie ticket. <laughs> Dirty blackmailer! Okay, mister, you're asking for it? Oh! Now you better stay down there, Palmer, or you'll really get hurt. You can't do this to me! You can't do this to me! Oh! Take it easy! Don't kill him! Oh! I'm just knocking some sense into him! That's all!
Danny Garbutt. Harrington, Miss Muller. Chief there? Oh, yes, he is. Just a minute. Oh, Harrington. Chief, I'm down at Central Station in Captain Mars' office. They just got a report here I thought you should know about. Charles Francis Palmer was beaten up at his home this morning. Hey, wasn't his name on that list of Dr. Jameson's patients? Oh, that's right. Who turned in the report? Uh, Palmer's sister. She's indignant and wants something done about it. But Palmer refuses to cooperate. Won't sign a complaint or make a statement. Maybe we'd better have a talk with him. Do you have his address? Uh-huh. 114 Park Circle. I'll meet me out there. I'll leave right away. Okay, Chief. Right in front of the bank, too. Well, that's a loading zone, Bold. Who cares? Suppose a cop comes along. So we get a ticket. Shut up. Here comes Palmer. I've been waiting for you. You got the dough? I'll have to talk to you about that. What's there to talk about? All I want's the dough. I've got 5,000 here. The deal is ten. I can't get that much. Go back there and get the rest of it. Then I can't. I'm not as wealthy as you think. Oh, look, Palmer. Wait a I... second, Bolt. Give me the five thousand, Mister Palmer. That'll be all right. Oh, thanks. Here, you're dealing with me, Palmer. I don't care what she says. Go on, Mister Palmer. I'll talk to him. <laughs> yes. All right. What are you trying to do? Be the mastermind again? We're pushing him too far, Bolt. They got 5000 out of Palmer. Let's start working on the other people on our list. Mm. Hello, Garrett. My sister said you wanted to see me. Thanks for coming down. I hope you're not here just because of this accident of mine. Your sister insists that you were beaten up. She said she heard part of it and saw a man leaving the house. I don't care what she said. I hope you'll forgive me, but I have other things to take care of. All right, Palmer. It means we'll have to find some other way to handle the situation, but one way or another, we'll handle it. I'm sure you will. Good day, Gary. That's a frightened man, Chief. Nothing freezes people up like blackmail. Yes, you're right. Well, let's get back to the office. Where are we going now, Bold? I'm looking for a phone booth so I can make a call. They can't trace you when you make a call that way. If you're going to be that careful, why don't you play it smart all the way? What do you mean? Going to Palmer's house yesterday. We're going to walk right into a trap. Yeah, yeah, I thought of that. But how else are you going to do it? You've got to let him hear the tape. Why not mail him a piece of the tape? Hey. <laughs> Kid, you're a real brain. And we meet him somewhere. That's it. Be a lot safer. Sure, sure would. That's the way we'll do it from now on.
is the district attorney in the... Yes, he is. Who shall I say is calling? I'm Miss Foy. Oh, yes, just a moment. Yes, Miss Miller. Miss Foy's here to see you, Mr. Garrett. Oh, I'll have her come right in. Yes, sir. Would you go in, Miss Foy? Thank you. Mr. Garrett. Won't you sit down, Miss Foy? Thank you. I I came in as you suggested, Mr. Garrett. Trouble? Yes, I... A man called me on the phone last night. He, he told me he was mailing me a piece of tape recording. I got it this morning. I'm frightened, Mr. Garrett. Miss Foy, if it makes you feel better to have a good cry, you go right ahead. But if you're willing to help us on this case, I don't think you have anything to worry about. You really think so? What did the man tell you to do? Well, I, I'm supposed to meet him this evening at the entrance to Carroll Park. What kind of an arrangement did he make for recognizing you? I'm to carry a folded newspaper in one hand, a dog's leash in the other. Miss Boy, I want you to go home and forget all about this. You... You mean you're going to take care of the meeting? That's right. You can leave the rest of this to us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your help and your understanding. I want to thank you for coming in. That took courage. I was scared, Steve. But I I'm glad I did. Goodbye, Mr. Garrett. Goodbye, Miss Boyd. How would you like a job, Miss Miller? Vacation? Something more to your liking. How would you like to play decoy for us? For the blackmailers? I'd love it. Yeah, I thought so. Well, where's Harrington? Mm, he said he'd be at the doctor's for the next hour. Call him and tell him to check in here as soon as he's through. Okay. Bye, chick pocket. Want me to stay in the car? That's right. Keep the engine running. Why is she there yet? Well, I can't tell with those bushes in the way. Good luck, both. It's a cinch. Miss Foy? Yes, I'm Miss Foy. I guess you know why I'm here. Yes. What do you want? Three thousand. Cash. Meet me here with her tomorrow night, same time. All right. And uh, don't bring anyone with you, understand? I understand perfectly. Okay. I'll be seeing you. How'd it go? It was a man, Mr. Garrett. He wants me to be here tomorrow night with $3,000. Now, that's what we want. You'll have the 3000 all right. Mark money. The moment he accepts it, we'll grab him. Check 
Just keep walking, Miss Boy. I've got the money for you. Okay, Here. okay, but keep heading for that car. Take a look, chick. That's not Miss Boy. Get in the car, you! Get going, chick, fast! Too late. That guy slugged her. One tail light and they're heading through the park. Let's get back to the car. Anyone behind this boat? Not right now. Well, I'm going to slow down then. No use getting picked up for speeding. How do you know this baby ain't the Foy dame? Foy came into the office, didn't she? I saw Foy. Oh, you like that? We've got to do something about a boat. She can identify us, testify again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what? Well, there's a ravine in the park. I know. Right ahead of us. Pull over and stop then. Douse your lights. Keep it running. Come on, you. I'm wide open. Lucky it's late and there's no traffic. Car parked up ahead. Silver lights, get in behind. Hey, yeah. Come on. Finish. I'll get her. All right, all right, this will do it. You'll never get away with it. Oh, I think I will. Not with me. Hey, stop. No, no, you don't. Come here. Now, that's enough of that. Hey, what are you... You're all through, mister. Who are you? What is he? He's got a knife. I'll take care of that. Not enough, mister? Yeah. Yeah, just, just let me alone. On your feet. All right. All right, head for the car. You all right, Miss Miller? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't get here sooner. Oh, you got here just right. Hey, this looks like old home week. I've got the other one, Chief. Good. Now we can take them both downtown where they can dictate their memoirs to a police stenographer. Get in the car, both of you. Uh, I want a lawyer. You'll get one. But don't expect too much from him. With you, he'll actually be wasting his time. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. I'm sure you read about this one in your newspapers. The people we called Bolt and Pauline were tried and convicted on counts of burglary, extortion, assault with intent to kill, and with murder in the first degree. Both are now serving long sentences for their crimes. And now this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the file of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lord.
Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be listening tomorrow night as we wrap up the week with George Burns and Gracie Allen, followed by yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theatre of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.